Hello everybody and welcome back to Witchfix. I've been struggling with a little jumble cold uh, for the last couple of days, which uh, is basically what will happen if you go to a lot of jumble sales. And even though I use hand sanitizer on the way home, even though I wash my hands, somehow rootling around in all those people's junk just, just makes you sick. Don't know what to tell you, but it's worth it. So anywho, I have been consoling myself by watching a TV series that I have rewatched many a time, which I really enjoy, and it only just occurred to me that I've never done an episode on it, which is very unlike me, because usually I, uh, I have plumbed the depths of everything that I have previously watched or read, because uh, that means less work for me, and less work for me is what I'm all about. Now, the series I'm talking about is Whitechapel, which ran for four series on ITV in the UK, although if you're overseas, you may have experienced it on BBC Worldwide. But uh, don't worry, call blimey, my lovelies, because um, it's actually ITV, which in my experience, ITV have some really good shows. Like Downton Abbey is ITV, and I always forget that, because you expect all of the great British programming to come from the British Broadcasting Centre. And it does not. Um, but I really enjoyed this. I watched it for the first time, I think, when it was uh, being broadcast at the fourth series on TV. And then I've rewatched it several times because it is on Netflix in the UK. I'm not sure about in other territories, but it's been on Netflix for a really long time now. So you can watch all of it and it's great. So what is Whitechapel and why is it about witches? Well, to be honest, the majority of it is not particularly about witches. There are some very focused parts of it which are, and I'll get into those in a second, but just a quick overview. Of the four seasons, series one and two uh, cover two very specific things. The first series, the kind of pilot series, features crimes that are echoing those of Jack the Ripper, and they are trying to hunt down the uh, copycat ripper in a sense uh, before he gets to his victims and by they I mean the two main characters who are played by Rupert Penry Jones and Phil Davis. Uh, Rupert Penry Jones is kind of a high class guy he's going to go far in the police force uh, but to do that he needs to tick a few boxes and one of those boxes is serving as a DI on a murder investigation so he gets put into Whitechapel just to cover the first of the Ripper murders before they even know that it's a copycat Ripper. And his sergeant, Detective Sergeant, is played by Phil Davis, is an old hand. He knows London. He knows the, his guys. He knows the force. He knows what he's doing. And this kind of bureaucrat pen pusher guy is not someone he wants to see. So they butt heads almost immediately. But through the series, they do become firm friends. And one of their things that I really like about the show is their relationship and that kind of back and forth between them. A third character is kind of introduced uh, over the first series who's played by Steve Pemberton and he is a Ripperologist. He knows a lot about Jack the Ripper. He does Jack the Ripper tours in London and he's written a book about him. He's really, really keen on everything and anything to do with Jack the Ripper. And it's him who first introduces the idea by coming to the police station that the details of the murders match up with those of the original Ripper killings. Things like where the woman's personal effects were placed around her body, things like her last meal, the organs taken from her after death, the position of her clothes. It's all been based on these uh, original reports on the, the Ripper crimes. So he kind of goes from being a suspect over that series to being an ally in their attempts to catch the Ripper. I will mention it becomes very apparent in the first series and continues throughout the series that these crimes are incredibly gory and shocking. There's incredibly gory crime scenes and murders. A lot of the things that are done to people are very shocking and will probably be quite triggering for people because there's a lot of things in there like violence against women um, and various other things. 
that's kind of why I like them. And, and that isn't intended to be like, I just love violent shit because I'm a weirdo. I just like that the crimes are so unique and visceral. It means that you don't feel like you've seen these episodes in other detective shows. So usually I can guess what's going to happen in things because, let's be honest, a lot of episodes of Law and Order, they've done at least six times. And then they've done them six times in the other Law and Order shows. And then CSI has also done the same episode format. So it's just kind of like copy, copy, copying. Whereas this really stands out as being quite stunning and quite gothic and disturbing in the way that only crimes like Jack the Ripper, for example, can be, which uh, is kind of what drew me into the show. Now, series two is my least favourite series because it doesn't really focus on anything to do with like the Victorian era or anything like that. And I think they kind of knew this because after series two, they went back to that uh, crimes in Victorian times, in medieval times. They didn't really do anything so modern again. But Series 2 focuses on the Krays. Uh, the Cray twins were basically like kings of organised crime of the East End. And Series 2 deals with another set of twins who are carrying on that legacy and who claim to be related to the original Cray twins. Uh, that series does have some good moments. It does have his charms. And you learn a lot about the main characters through it. Uh, but to be honest, not one of my favourite seasons. So I've mentioned that they draw on these crimes from, from the past and season three really kicks that off because it's the first series uh, of the four. Uh, sadly, it did get cancelled after series four, which I'll get into in a minute. But it's the first series where they broke up the series into episodic pairs, which focused on one story. So while series one and two were complete stories that played out over a number of episodes, series three has three stories in it, which have two episodes each. So in series three, we have um, the first pair of episodes uh, which deal with seeming like family annihilation murders. Basically, a, a lady who works at a tailor's goes out in the opening scenes uh, to get bagels. And when she comes back, the tailor's that she was working at is all locked up. And when a passing policeman helps her to break in to find out why no one's answering her, everyone has been slaughtered in a seemingly locked house, leaving her as the only survivor. And this pattern repeats a few times over the pair of episodes until they link it to uh, the Ratcliffe Highway murders, which are historic murders in the area, uh, and then solve the case. And then the second pair of episodes is linked to poisonings. They find dismembered bodies washing up in the Thames of women who have been poisoned with cantharidin or Spanish fly, which is made from beetles. Uh, and this links back to someone who's trying to create a love potion, uh, but keeps failing miserably and accidentally murdering people. Uh, and this echoes the Thames Torso murders of the 1880s. Then finally, the, the last pair is to do with a sort of an escaped serial killer uh, who may or may not be responsible for some killings, uh, but are basically to do with the bogeyman, because a bogeyman like figure has been appearing to punish the guilty and and the bad and um, so that's sort of more of a, a of a looser myth that they're using there and not a specific crime but it is quite interesting and uh, a good way to finish out the series but series four is why we're here because series four has witches unfortunately series four also has a lot of problems which is probably why the show was cancelled not gonna lie but um i enjoyed it the the first pair of episodes in series four are the ones that specifically deal with witches and that's really why i'm talking to you about the show although obviously i do really like the show overall and encourage people to give it a look-see because it's quite 
interesting and different. Now, DS, Miles and D.I. Chandler, who are the main characters, are called to investigate in the first episode of series four, the murder of a tramp who has been apparently pressed to death in, in an abandoned house. Uh, rocks were placed on top of him and, and, until he died, essentially. And they start going down the route that maybe he was a Russian spy. And there are suggestions in like aspects of his i guess dentistry tattoos uh, in his body when they autopsy it that suggest this however when they move on from this and they start trying to track down uh, other people who may be involved in the spy ring they are called to another murder which is sort of the end of the episode where two old ladies who live together one who is blind and, and one who isn't uh, the one who is not blind is burned at the stake in her garden and they realise at the end of the episode that they are in fact looking for a killer, not who is looking for spies and trying to torture information from them, but someone who is killing witches and who is torturing them first to get the name from them of the next witch in the coven. So they're trying to take down a coven of witches. Now in that first episode we don't get a, a huge amount of stuff really to do with witches, but there are some interesting kind of occult things that happen throughout the show. The tone of it overall is, is quite dark and dreary and it makes it feel somehow like you're in the 1800s even though it's the, that you're in sort of a modernish looking police station. Uh, you get to see lots of woodcuts of the torture scenes which are obviously sort of reminded me of like the Salem witch trials and things you see in, in books about that. And also you get the murders themselves, like the burning at the stake uh, and the uh, the being pressed as well. The two old ladies who live in the house, they're kind of my favourite victims in the show because their house is like the dreamiest witchy house in the world. Also, the blind lady um, seems to have some sort of extrasensory perception or just heightened senses in general because she can sense that there is an intruder in the house because she can smell him, uh, which is actually an important clue sort of later on like they never find out about that but they do find out why she could smell him uh, without wanting to give too much away later um so i really liked the first episode and in the second episode uh, the witch hunt continues as um another witch is found this time drowned and her black cats have been murdered uh, and then they find that she has named the last person in the list but they know that guy's name because she wrote it on a piece of paper and swallowed it knowing that her own death was imminent and wanting to give the police an opportunity to save him now my favorite aspect of this kind of pair of episodes is probably why some other people might find it disappointing it contains no actual witches but i think it, it really does shine a light on the witch hunts and witch hunt prejudice and, and how that really worked because they obviously go over a lot of history behind the torture methods, the reasons that, that people were accused. For example, when they go down the line of looking at people who may be hunting witches specifically, it's D.I. Chandler who realises that the people they're looking at aren't actually witches. Having a black cat doesn't make you a witch. Being old ladies in a creepy old house doesn't make you a witch. And being a homeless guy who talks to a rat in his pocket because you know it's his only friend doesn't make you a witch either and they quickly realize that someone is laboring under some sort of delusion uh, and they pinpoint this as to being caused by ergot poisoning which i love because ergot poisoning is one of the theories behind like the salem witch trials is that everyone went mad because they ate poisoned rye and then they started hallucinating and accusing each other of witchcraft and cursing people uh, so I really liked that that had been worked in as well and that was just really interesting and I just love this pair of episodes so much because of like the lore and uh, all the details that they bring in to make the case satisfying. 
Now, to roll back the clock a little bit to the start of Series 4, the opening scenes of it are at a book launch uh, for their in-house ripperologist slash history specialist's new book. And there's a little old lady in a red hat and little tartan cape who is doing the rounds at the book launch. And she is seen talking to different members of the team. You sometimes hear what she's saying. Other times you just see her talking to them in the background. And there's one instance where um, one of the guys uh, is approaching one of his colleague's sisters who's talking to another guy. And the old woman kind of accosts the other guy and gets him out of the way so that the sister then talks to the colleague which creates all sorts of problems down the line so it seems like she is deliberately causing issues and when she goes to have her book signed she asks for the dedication to be to louise eifer which isn't particularly imaginative but obviously calls to mind lucifer so you have that kind of espionage thing going on and then as they go down the spy storyline in the first episode they're told that there is some sort of provocateur in the Whitechapel area who is pushing people to commit these horrible violent crimes that they've been investigating for a number of years now someone who is stirring up trouble who is pushing people off the edge if they're already teetering uh, and I thought that was quite an interesting idea. And as the series progresses, we see more fingers being pointed at this Louise Eifer character. And you actually see her in a number of scenes, although the other characters do not notice or remark on her. She'll appear in the background talking to police at a crime scene. She appears cleaning the police station. Uh, and at various other moments, I think you see her once in the homeless camp in this pair of episodes. So she's very present. And it's, I think, through her mostly that this series gets to be more occult. And we see the police, particularly DS uh, Miles, experiencing fear that there may be some sort of occult presence after them. Specifically in the police station, we see him at various points brandishing uh, like a saint's medal because weird, creepy, haunted footsteps are following him. Um, so this series went very much more overt with the occult, uh, the spooky, the supernatural. And I feel like a lot of people disengaged from it at that point because they've been watching a police procedural and we're not prepared for it to go into this kind of supernatural territory, which I fully understand because I wasn't a huge fan of it when uh, it started. But the more I've rewatched the series, the more I kind of like the direction that it went into. And I'm sad that they didn't get to get another series to build on it. Now this is going to get a little bit spoilery because to discuss this next point I have to talk about the killer from the witch episodes. So they finally tracked down the killer, realised that the person who it is has gone mad with ergot poisoning and that is why they're having these delusions that they have been cursed by witches and that they need to find and kill witches because killing the witch that cursed them is the only way they can get better. And unfortunately, it's quite a long-running thing in the show that they never managed to arrest one of these people, uh, one of the killers, alive. Through various means, they either die before they are arrested in custody or um, just at the scene of their last murder, or they vanish entirely, uh, presumed to have died elsewhere. So this guy does not have long to live due to the untreated ergot poisoning. And the DI tries to explain to him that he's not actually cursed. It's just this thing that's this poisoning that's happened to him. To which his response is, well, the poisoning isn't the reason that my business was destroyed. The poisoning isn't the reason that my daughter got sick and died. And the poisoning isn't the reason that my wife left me. That all happened before I got poisoned. And the poisoning was as a direct result of, of the business going under. So 
clearly there's something out to get me and it is kind of spooky because in a way he's sort of right this is just the latest in the long line of a lot of terrible things that have happened to him and it does kind of seem like he has been cursed uh, which is creepy and i love it now the other two pairs of episodes um the second pair are to do with flaying specifically like flayed skin uh, they find a flayed face uh in an art gallery and so this two-parter generally focuses on the art world on uh flaying and specifically like artworks in which flaying is being depicted and various other sort of things along that line it's an all right two-parter um not one of my favorites but it's okay unfortunately part three uh the the last pair of episodes that they ever made are my least favorite uh these focus on they find a disemboweled body of a runner in the sewer and then slowly comes the realization that there is a sort of cult out there killing good people uh, they kind of play around the idea of cannibalism uh before this because of organs being taken from the bodies but it's revealed to be this kind of doomsday cult who are uh, taking uh, the organs of these people and they are indeed eating them so that's where the cannibalism comes back in but it's because they believe that their innocent souls will save them from the end of times it's a really poorly defined motive which is kind of annoying the killer like the main killer also turns out to be someone who you were introduced to quite early on in the, the first episode so that kind of annoyed me as well and uh, then we get to the end and they are kind of stopped at the last moment from like their final sacrifice because through a random string of events the di has, has lost his shirt because uh, he got sewer water on it and he appears with a light behind him making them think that he's an angel i guess and that he's come to to stop them uh, as an indication that they have been successful and have saved the world now at this point um ds miles and some other people in the station have picked up a map left for them by a spy who was watching the station and trying to locate this a provocateur and he's the one who kind of told them about this person who is inciting violence they've tracked down some of the points on the map he left for them before his tragic and untimely death and they've realized that these line up with not only the cases they've been looking at now but cases that have happened in the past um, the business of the the guy who had ergot poisoning is one of them uh, the location of the the fake cray twins for example the ripper killings this is something that's been building for a while and at the same time, uh, D.I. Chandler has received a message from a psychic who they talk to to try and solve one of the crimes, uh, which he hasn't opened because he, he's not interested in, in what she has to say. He doesn't believe in psychics. But then right at the end of the episode, after they've successfully managed to arrest the cannibal ring alive for a change, he breaks down and he opens the envelope, feeling great, feeling like on top of the world because he's finally done it. And inside the envelope, it says, don't put them all in the same van. And just at that moment, Louise Iver steps off a curb, causing a traffic accident which kills every single one of the cannibals. Now, I absolutely kind of... I'm split on this ending, to be honest. I love it because it's so unexpected and so creepy and occult. But at the same time, it's a big statement to, at the end of like a police procedural series, come out with this thing that makes it very obvious that psychics are real and can predict real events. And also that there's some sort of evil occult presence out there that's influencing people to kill and to do all these very depraved and disturbed things like eating people's flesh or executing people for witchcraft or committing the murders of jack the ripper over again and i feel like that kind of turned a lot of people off because it very suddenly went from being a show about 
depraved and strange serial murders sort of like luther if you've ever watched that to being a show which incorporated elements of the supernatural in a way that was very overt and you couldn't really deny that those things were real so i can kind of see why from that point on people weren't that keen on it and why they didn't then renew it for like a fifth series but in my opinion it's kind of an underrated gem there's like a lot to love about the series from the tone uh, the development of the team as well from like series one to series four there's a very clear arc of, of character development particularly for di chana and ds miles uh, di chana for example starts off being quite bureaucratic he has like a manual for solving murders which he's like printed off he also suffers incredibly from ocd um which is specifically focused around water uh, and being wet and, and dirty with dirty water which you find out what that's all about but you also see his many attempts to try and deal with this and to try and find ways around it and also for him to try and find love and how that is cruelly ripped away from him um really is a lot of character development and his relationship with ds miles going from being very antagonistic to being basically friends to being antagonistic again for different reasons and how that's then resolved there's also a lot of humor it's it's a pretty gallows-ish humor to be honest but uh I, I do like it there's a lot of banter between the police i also find their pathologist hilarious uh, she's this lady who i think for two out of the um four seasons is pregnant um and she just sort of has this detachment for her job where she just like is just happy-go-lucky even when she's standing over like a corpse with no face she's just like oh hi yeah this chap had a little bit of an unfortunate incident you know because someone cut his face off with a giant knife uh, and also a lot of the weird things they come across um are just pretty well done and intriguing i think a lot of us have uh, curiosity about things like cannibalism and like hoarders who just like tomb themselves up in the house and, and live there for years um not necessarily because it's behavior we want to emulate i hasten to add but because it's kind of weird and compelling in that way that you know they make reality tv out of it so the subject matter that it deals with is, is quite interesting i like the general sort of tone and themes of it uh, and also that the fact that it draws on a sense of essentially like real life history and things that actually happened there's a lot of poetic license in there and they do sensationalize a lot of things but it is kind of interesting to see this history being kind of worked into a more modern sense and how they've kind of adapted it to bring it up to date uh, just before i leave you i'm going to give you two reviews which i found quoted on the wikipedia page which i think sum up the show quite nicely uh, so a review in the lester mercury um that giant monolith of journalism said it was life on mars without the time travel and i definitely agree with that statement it does feel very much like the police but in a different time like way back in the 70s but they're operating in modern times like they are very behind the times in this series which i think is just there to make di china look even more like a, a fish out of water or someone bringing unwanted ideas like ties and personal hygiene into the office and then also they added what Whitechapel lacked in originality, it more than made up for with atmosphere and enthusiasm. I don't necessarily think it lacked in originality because, as I said, I can't really think of places where this sort of thing has been done before. But it definitely has a lot of atmosphere and enthusiasm. It really, like, flings itself 
giddily and gorily into its subject matter and there is very little being held back and then another review quote from the times uh from andrew bullen said that um it, various things about the jack the ripper murders but then also commented it's all in the worst possible taste and bloody good fun and i definitely agree with that it's definitely kind of hideous and gory and over the top and that's why i love it so definitely go into it forewarned for gore but it's very enjoyable and as i said you can watch it on netflix i don't know where you can get it in the us but uh, you can probably find it online now because it's been out for a long time the last series aired in 2013 so um you know it's been a while uh, but hopefully you'll enjoy it do let me know if you have seen it or if you know of anything else like it because i'd really like to to watch something similar and in the meantime i'll see you in the next one bye